With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Happy uh, Syracuse Basketball's Undefeated Week, everyone. Yeah, at least one That's team. That's definitely is. the headliner. We have nothing else to talk about, just <laughs> not, that. Not a thing. Um, we'll get into Syracuse football first, just to get that out of the way, just rip the band-aid right off. Um, I'm not going to say this wasn't something I could have seen coming, because it definitely was. Um, to go four and three, like grab that win over Clemson, and then proceed to like f everything up from there. Um, that said, like the way we lost to Wake Forest didn't make any sense to me based on what we saw all year to this point. And I know Dan, you agree, and a lot of other people. I think I think the anger coming out of that game is mostly based on the fact that like nobody saw that coming if we were going to lose that game. Yeah, it was a being up. What were we up seventeen? Yeah. Uh, in the late second quarter, um, blowing a lead like that is brutal. And I don't think we've done. We didn't really have a lead. Middle Tennessee, we were playing from like behind or even with them the whole game. So it wasn't like obviously we we did a nice job of coming back early in the game against Wake Forest. Um, but then to blow a, a big three score lead like that in just incredibly quick amount of time between like the the final drive of the second quarter and then when I mean, how many times up, have we had a three a seventeen point lead in the last? three years i don't think i mean we've been playing close games all year (laughs) so aside from like the blowout wins over the lesser teams like that was we were in in a rare position being up that much and then to blow it all on just in minutes um, in minutes i mean i think we ended up i think they ended up taking the lead i can look it up i have the pot store open but i'm too lazy fourth quarter Um, yeah it was like the early fourth quarter yeah yeah so like it was maybe I mean they probably I think it was on three straight drives they scored. Um, I don't know if we do we even get any stops in the second half. Uh, no, uh, they scored yeah. on every possession in the second half. I thought so. Um, yeah, I mean that's just bad. It's really bad. It was the worst defensive performance we've had this year um, by far. Uh, um, you can't really excuse like there weren't any huge injuries that we didn't already have. Um, the offense like when you when you when your offense spots you use forty three points at home you should be able to win that game. Uh, especially, you know, Wake's a good, t- Wake's a really good team. Like this is the best Wake Forest team in, I mean, since they went to the Orange Bowl, this team might actually be uh, better yeah. than that one. I'd, I would say. I'd say, I'd say they're close. I think that one was still a little bit better because I think the defense is better. I think the skill players were better and more experienced. And I think the coaching full staff might have been better, even if the head coach I think is better now. Um, nonetheless, that's probably just nitpicking. Uh, this is a very talented and very competent Wake team, but. I still think they're a peer program of ours, and I don't think you should get blown out. I'm going to say 14 because that last time, last one was a garbage time touchdown, but you shouldn't lose by a couple scores to a peer program at home, um, especially when your backup quarterback shows up and actually like plays pretty well. I know that there was a lot of like kind of heat coming towards Mahoney afterward, and I kind of tried to dispel that in an article earlier this week, but like, no, he wasn't perfect, but you cannot claim in any way, shape, or form that like. Mahoney didn't do everything he possibly could really to win us this game or come close. Like he, he's, he's, he has a weird career and a weird legacy. And I, I completely understand all that. Like that's kind of the, this adds to that story at this point. Like the fact that he had, you know, the 11th most passing yards in a single game in school history, the fact that he's going to probably graduate. I mean, assuming he plays the next two games and I, I'd say this is a fair bet. He does. Um, he's probably going to finish top 12 to 13 in passing yards like all all that's insane um but like it just goes to show how weird like the Mahoney experience has been for the last few years 
Yeah, it, it's tough because Mahoney, like, if you told me that Zach Mahoney would play the game, score us 43, lead us up 43 points, uh, and would throw for 380 yards and three touchdowns, I would say we probably won by two touchdowns at least. Yeah. Um, and, like, honestly, I know the offense completely stalled out in the second half. Um, they really I didn't have many possessions, hard... though. Like that, That's a problem. We gave up long drives. Um, we had some weird play calling. The, the, the three uh... and out, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, part of me, like, it was bad. The, the, the three, not the three and out, the three deep balls to the end zone. Um, it was bad. I don't, I think some people were under the impression that we drew, I haven't read on and rewatched it because I'm not you. I'm not a masochist. <laughs> um, uh, I think people were under the impression that we drew up like three Hail Marys and that's just not, not the case. case. There were three good looks uh, that Mahoney had. I, I think there was one really good look at the end. The third, the third, the third down throw, Mahoney just missed it, and Ishmael stumbled. That should have been a touchdown. Yeah. He, he had the die beat by two or three steps. The second down um, throw was shit. The first one was fine. Yes. So all three, like, I think you can say, and I don't think you're completely wrong, like, situationally, even if you think you have that shot at the end zone, you can't make that throw three times in a row. Um, I think maybe, like, analyt- more, I mean, even more analytically, Base people would probably tell me I'm wrong, and that like the best like win probability win probability added on a throw would be to take that shot when you have your best receiver open or open ish twice in one on one coverage. Right. Um, so it looked really bad. It was really frustrating to watch, especially because you know we couldn't really see the rest of the field. We don't have like the all twenty two. Uh, I'm ass- I mean everyone else there wasn't like it was we weren't running four seams to the end zone, so there yeah. were other guys probably in better positions to pick up first downs. Well, Baber uh, said that, that, that the underneath guys were covered, and, and yeah, like, I, I have to kind of trust him on that. I don't know why he would, like, I don't know why he would, like, lie about Yeah, yeah, we like... Could go, we could go look it up, and... I don't know. I remember watching each play, and I'm like, I don't hate that throw in, in a vacuum. It's just tough to watch that throw. Three straight times. Like, three when, straight times. That drive was great. does not um, throw a great deep ball. Yeah, the drive was great up until that point. Like, that's the thing. Like, Mahoney's very good at, at finding that guy in the 15 to 20-yard range who's going to be able to make things happen after the catch. Yeah. What, and, or, and, or hitting the wide-open guy, as we saw with Pierce twice. Yes. And Mahoney, Mahoney made some great throws. I'm, like, endlessly impressed given, you know, he's a walk-on. We obviously walk-on probably never thought he would play. Yeah, he, he's turned from this, like, option quarterback into um, more of, like, a pocket passer than Dungy in some weird way. Obviously, they're very different players. Like, they can both run, but Dungy's a scrambler. And Mahoney, like, can run, like, the triple option that we saw from a couple of years ago. And now Mahoney's, like, a pretty, like, I think if... Does he have another year of eligibility? No, he's done. He's done? Because I was, I was wondering if, like, if... He, he played in three seasons, so I don't know. He played in three know. seasons, but he transferred from DuPage. Oh, you're right. I forgot he transferred. Because it, honestly, like, I wouldn't want to lose him, but I kind of wish he had another year of eligibility so he could go transfer to, like, a, a Mac school and see what he could do. Like, go transfer to Western Michigan and see oh, if, like, Lester's no. run an offense. No. Because <laughs> then we'd have to face him next year. <laughs> oh, right. Never mind. Don't do that. I mean, it's, it can't happen. Just be, I forgot he played uh, D2 or D3 before this. But, like, in a, in a different world, it would have been really cool to see him, like, have his own team. Yeah. Um, because, man, that kid's a gamer. And, like, you, you can't really ask for that much more. Obviously, he didn't have a great second half. But, like you said, he didn't have that many opportunities. And that one drive was in a defined game where he put up big numbers. And, like, it wasn't even his biggest number game ever, which is crazy. Like, the play calling, and, too, in that second half was just weird. Like, I brought this yes. up in, in the offensive play calling breakdown on Tuesday. Like... We abandoned the run completely, like literally. But it was just... probably our best running game. We averaged almost six yards of carry. Yeah, like, like we were consistently picking up chunks of yardage on the ground. Like, why... I felt like we were up three. We were playing like we were from... we were behind. And like Mahoney, while he is a very, I think he's better than he should be, but he shouldn't be expected to be able to like drag Syracuse back into a game that like the defense just did not feel like keeping us in. At some point, like I agree, he locked on to both those quarterbacks. Both, like, excuse me, both of those passes, both of those interceptions were were awful. And like I rewatching them, it was even worse. Like seeing just how telegraphed those those uh, throws were. But like, should he have been put in that position to begin with? Like, like you said earlier, if you're going to be accountable, he was accountable for 41 points, and the, the two points were Scoop Bradshaw's um, on the uh, the blocked extra point. But nonetheless, like if you're gonna if you're going to be a quarterback on the field for 43 points, you should win nine and a half times out of 10. Right. And it almost felt like, and I know it's tough to like adjust on the fly here, but I had to, I had to imagine that they had a good idea that Dungy wasn't going to play. Um, 
given, like, I know he warmed up, but, like, they, they, they knew more than anyone else. Um, it almost felt like in the third quarter we were, we were running the offense as is best designed for Dungy, uh, where, you know, Dungy's very much a make-a-play guy. Like, you, you, you have good receivers. He can go out there. He can improvise, find 15 yards on the ground, or hit a big play downfield. Mahoney is a good runner, but he's a good runner in a very different way. He, he excelled in that option system. He's really good at finding seams and using blockers. Dungy's really good at just kind of like killed. making he, – well, getting killed. But he's very – he's just an improviser. Like he's not – you're not drawing up runs for Dungy most of the time. They've done it a little bit. Um, you're not running like a designed option scheme with Dungy like we did with Mahoney back under Lester. So it just – it seemed like we were, we were uh, you know, running more of like a Dungy-style play set of play calls – where you're like, okay, you can have deep play, you're gonna have guys going deep, like on that one drive, and you know, if if it doesn't, if stuff breaks down, Eric can go run for 18 yards, and he does that all the time, multiple times a game. He's our leading rusher, probably. I I guess not looking more than half our games this year, um, and I think he's still our leading rusher for the season. Yeah, Mahoney's just not. He doesn't have that skill set. He's an effective runner, but it's just not. He's not the same uh, player. Well, they don't give him. They still. don't give him the read option. They might give it to him like once or twice a game. And it's not a staple of our offense, yeah. so I get that. Yeah, like Dungy, I feel like, just gets the read option, like, every single time. Or, or at least he improvises into it. Like, and this is something we talked about um, on Twitter, like, during the game and on Slack during the game, and then after I brought it up a little bit in the Mahoney piece. Like, Dan, do you honestly think, and, and, and like, I I'm on, I'm really am curious, like, do you think that Mahoney might run this offense better? Or at least... Is it a better facsimile of what Babers wants to do with Mahoney under center than it is what Dungy uh, under center? I think in the first half, and I, I saw you tweet this, and I think we talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. In the first half, I think you can make that argument. because I mean, A, things were going really well, but Mahoney's a very effective at finding the underneath passers. I think he might actually be more accurate in short to intermediate throws than Dungy is. Quick release, too. Like that, that, release. That, that was what sprung out to me was that like Dungy, Dungy actively avoids one of the key components of this offense, which is quick release. Yeah. The thing is, when you get into high leverage situations, which we find ourselves in all the time um, because we were in, in every game uh, up until, I mean, even this game, we were in it late and then Wake Forest just put the, put the, the foot down in the fourth quarter. Um, that's when Dungy's still set becomes so invaluable. Right. Um, and also, I think... I tweeted this. It's kind of a shame. Mahoney got our best offensive line performance of the year by far. Mm-hmm. Like that was the offensive line played a great game. The running stats will show it. Uh, Mahoney did not face that much pressure uh, at any point. I don't think. I think it probably dot dot up a little bit with the fourth quarter. But yeah, fourth we had quarter other he issues. was fourth quarter he was under pressure because we had been on the run. Yeah, we've been on the run, but we also were sending four or five wide every single play. So of course you're going to send yeah. the house. Why wouldn't you? Yes, um, and you know that that Mahoney's not going to force the ball downfield effectively. Um, and while you know. Irvin and Steve are, uh, are great receivers. Like they're not guys. They're not like a, a you know a guy that's gonna blow you off the line and, and beat you forty yards downfield. Like Ishmael just beats guys on one on one coverage. Ishmael uh, and Phillips finds like the gaps in the zone and is is uh, really good at at uh, you know, become a better route runner. But they they're not like uh, your classic like flanker who's just going to burst off the line, beat a corner, and right. and go downfield and yeah. Catch like it. So th- th- these aren't the West Virginia teams of like you know, 2006 to, like, 2010, where you're going to have those types of guys, like your Tavon Austin types, who can just, like, absolutely kill you. Um, like, Irv's fast. Irv's probably still one of the fastest players on the team, but w- w- where you're right, like, he's he just he understands space really well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be able to kill you off the line. Yeah, Irv, Irv is, like, the classic, like... Um, I, I'm going to make a, a rare uh, cross-race comparison. He's, like, a classic... Uh, like Patriots uh, underneath wide receiver who just finds holes in the zone, makes plays, gets yards after the catch. Like Irv's like more of like a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman than he is, um, you know, a, a, like you said, a Tavon Austin or a guy who's going to burn someone off the line, a, uh, like one of those classic uh, like Al Davis draft pick receivers. Um, so we just don't have that, that guy. I think Devin Butler could be that guy at some point. Sean Riley could be that guy. They have that kind of speed. They just don't have, they're just not those players yet. They're not effective enough. Right. Um, but we just, you know, inheriting the players that we that we have. Like Ishmael is an awesome one-on-one uh, outside threat who will just. I mean, he he murders cornerbacks. Like there's no one who's effectively covered him this year. And 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 uh, Irv is great at what he does as well. It's just, you know, we don't have that those kind of guys. And Mahoney isn't the type of quarterback that's going to fit those balls into tight coverage down the field like that. Uh, Dungy does it more effectively. Um, and has a little more touch on those deep throws where he connects with, with Ishmael a lot. So um, 
I think I think getting back to what we were talking about in the first half, I think you saw um, a really well designed, like probably closer closest to what the Babers offense is supposed to look like, where it's very up tempo. You have a lot of intermediate throws. You have effective running, and then because Wake just figured out that that defensive uh, switch that we made in the second quarter, um, I think they moved to like more of a cover one uh, for pl- some plays, and that threw Wake off. Uh, I believe is what Wa- uh, Wolford said. Um, but then they figured it out, obviously, in the third quarter, and it was off to the races. We just, we couldn't continue. I mean, I think we probably abandoned it too quickly because the game didn't really get out of hand until the mid-fourth quarter. But I think we got nervous, and we tried to play, get into a shootout when we were playing from ahead. And it just, it, none of it worked out well. So you can definitely put some blame on Babers for the game. Um, I don't think the play calling was particularly good in the second half. Um, and then the defense just... I, I was I was hesitant to like get super critical um, because people are I feel like people were per, like having memories of last year and superimposing them onto this year's defense. Right. Like I know the defense has given up some points. It's so much better than it was last year, and it's been very good all year, aside from like one or two spots. Um, so I don't want to freak out about one really bad game, and it was really bad. We gave up sixty four points to a, a, a solid, but not like uber explosive Wake Forest team. So that's awful. Like, there's no catching that. It's just like, we'll see what Louisville does. If Louisville does and drops 70 on us, then I'm like, okay, maybe this defense, maybe people are figuring this out. Now we have some work to do. If we go and give up, you know, 32 points to Louisville and, and it's a it's a one-possession game in either direction, I'm not going to be too crazy about it considering, you know, Lamar Jackson is a superhero and uh, they're 13.5-point favorites. So we'll see. Let's see. Let's not all freak out at once about this this defensive performance. It was really, really bad. You can be upset about it, but it doesn't mean that the defense has been like a sham this whole time because the evidence is farther in the other, other direction that this defense is way improved, even with this one bad game. Oh, yeah. And, and like, and that was the one thing, like, even though I was one of the more, like, boisterous people, like, during and after the game, like, being pretty pissed off about it, I did make sure to couch every single complaint, no matter how many, like, you know, profanities were, were included in, in such a tweet or, 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 uh, or a comment. Everything was couched with this is one game, and if it continues, we're screwed. But if not, like, then we can still rebound from this. I think, you know, um, you and I were talking about it a little bit before the call. Like, uh, Julian put together a really, really good uh, defensive breakdown this week, um, used some gifts, really kind of isolated a couple plays that, you know, were just jokes. Um, but, but also, you know, it, but didn't just say that the way I would there, but actually broke down, this is the coverage they were playing. This is whose assignment that was, this is what didn't happen. And that's why it, it, you know, fell apart. And I think for me, like, it was good to see that, you know, he put together a really nice breakdown of, of, of why both it could become the norm, especially against a really dynamic quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who I think if we can hold him under 40, I think is a success versus why it might be a, a one-time thing if Syracuse can look at that tape the way he did, the way we are, um, and, and make those adjustments. I mean, you know, Dino Babers said today during the press conference, um, you know, Wolford's not Lamar, and, and he's right. Um, so now it's okay. So you know that. The defense knows that. You, for some reason, I, and I'm not just going to put this on Babers, I think this is a staff-wide thing and players-wide too, like you guys didn't really do anything – differently in the second half when you already knew and you should have known going in that John Wolford was able to run the ball I mean he had 400 rushing yards going into the game um now since you know that Lamar can run much better than that like what are you going to do to contain him and that's that's really going to decide the game is is you're not going to be able to stop him but what can you do to contain him and limit um you know Jackson's abilities are you going to make like if you want to make it into a one-dimensional offense like that's a strategy. I don't know if it's a winning one, but it is a strategy. I'm just, I'm very curious to see, um, especially after Julian's piece that really kind of got into some nitty gritty details of the defense. I'm very, very curious to see um, kind of how this team comes out on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting dilemma. I, I will say this Louisville team, it, it, it's probably more beatable than this Wake Forest team. Obviously, it's on the road, which is a problem. Um, but Lamar is great. Lamar is putting up numbers that are very similar to what he was doing last year. He should. Definitely get another Heisman invite. It seems like Baker Mayfield's going to win that award, which I'm fine with. Um, but he should be there again. He's having a great season uh, with very little help because most of the still position talent is gone. The defense is an absolute train wreck, um, and he's still chugging along. So beating Lamar is going to be tough. Um, I will say he does not have the surrounding talent that he's had the last couple of years. Um, the receiving core is not as good. Um, so I'm interested. To, I, I think – trying to contain him and keep him in the pocket and forcing him to, to throw 
is is still the optimal way to beat him. Now, just because Louisville's receivers haven't been like great this year doesn't mean that they can't do some damage in this secondary, which is you know is improved but still not great. Um, but I, I want no. I mean, considering how, what Walford did, who is is not the runner that Lamar Jackson is by any stretch. Um, he ran for 136 and three touchdowns. Like we, I think we need to do everything we can to keep him in the pocket. Um, and unfortunately with Lamar, he's, you know, one of the fastest players in college football. You're not going to be able to just like stick like a linebacker spy on him and, and just hope that's going to work. Cause we saw Wolford run right by Zaire Franklin a couple times. Um, Lamar Jackson will be 20 yards upfield if we have the same kind of reaction time. So um, it's, I mean, if anyone had like the, the guide to start stopping Lamar Jackson, I mean, maybe Houston from last year does, but that was more on the offensive line getting eaten. Well, yeah, um, if you have Ed Oliver, you're automatically going to be... Yeah, if we knew get, get Ed Oliver and have him be healthy, <laughs> that'd be fine. That'd be a good strategy. Um, our defensive line is solid. I, I think they can do some damage here, and, and maybe disrupting the play you know, early on in the play is, is a good strategy, but you can't just like count on, on your defensive line having the same performance that like some of the best players in the country have had against that Louisville offensive line. So um, it's going to be tough. I, I don't think, you know... It's easy to just like count count us out. Um, I wouldn't do that yet because Louisville's not a great team by any stretch. But uh, it'll also be interesting to see how this team responds. They did they responded pretty well after the Middle Tennessee game. Um, all things considered, this was probably an even more devastating uh, punch. Not not because of the, of the opponent, because Wake Forest is a much better team, but because of how they gave up the game. Um, so I'm really interested to see interested to see what the uh, the reaction from this team is because it's it's probably the first spot like this that we've had under Babers. Yeah, I mean, luckily against Pitt, you know, we had like the entire off season to really digest that, and and I don't really think that that Pitt game had anything to do with this off season's defensive improvement. I mean, maybe it did. Um, it definitely didn't have anything to do with the Central Connecticut game. Felt like in general, like. That game was just kind of, you know, said, like, this is the mark, never hit it again. And, like, I think Babers has already, like, been up at night every night probably since Saturday, um, visualizing, like, just how much this team broke down. Uh, some things that, like, you know, Babers is not one to really discuss scheme or strategy um, until it's already over. Um, Dan, you think we maybe see a little bit of nickel um, out of this defense? Maybe we see, um, like, some Keelan Whitner, uh, you know, moving up. Um, into one of the linebacker spots, maybe taking Jonathan Thomas's spot, um, and just feel like we might need a little more speed, even if we're not using it to cover receivers, but rather we're using it to maybe, you know, force Jackson to throw. And I know that that's a tough call for, you know, a Syracuse team that just simply does not, um, you know, have the ability to, to really keep people in check in the secondary, at least for an extended period. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And we've seen Whitner kind of do that type of thing at the you know at the linebacker level uh, a couple times this year. Um, I, I'm interested to see. I, I think you can't throw out like we've seen what happens when a team throws out its entire defensive scheme to try to play against something that's not used to. But hi, Georgia Tech. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but obviously you're gonna have to make adjustments, and you can't play Lamar Jackson like you play anyone else. He's a very unique talent. So. Um, I think it'll be uh, very interesting to see what Brian Ward draw, draws up here. Um, and uh, I I still expect, like, a much better performance than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I was talking to, like, the Louisville uh, guys over at Card Chronicle, and one of the first things they said was, you know, last year's blowout. And, like, everybody talks about last year's blowout and the Heisman moment, um, you know, for the— The game was fairly close into the third quarter. It was, like, like in, even into the fourth. Like, like, Louisville scored 20 points in the fourth quarter against a defense that was already depleted down two of its best— players i mean uh cordy was out in the first half and so was juan dowels like again it's not to say we didn't lose it's not to say we didn't get handled as we did and, and lamar did whatever the hell he wanted in that game he accounted for over 500 yards five touchdowns like no doubt about it like that was that was what launched his heisman campaign into the stratosphere i'm not doubting any of that but um syracuse is still able to score points on that team and that was a much better defense um syracuse was able to hold them in check for parts of um, the first three quarters, even if it wasn't, you know, all, all relative, they still scored 42. But, like, in general, like, that that was a game going in, like, going into the fourth quarter before Louisville just kind of, you know, finished it off, and rightfully so, against an, an overmatched SU secondary. But let's not pretend that that, that game was, was some sort of, like, start-to-finish um, annihilation. Syracuse was down early, admittedly. But they came back. They fought. That offense really did what it uh, what it wanted to do for extended stretches. And again, I think that like 
the, all the NFL caliber talent from, from last year's defense is pretty much gone, uh, save like a guy or two here and there. Uh, Louisville's defense is, is, is bad. They, uh, I'd say up until last week, I'd say certifiably bad and definitely worse than ours, but uh, they actually did manage to have a pretty solid second half against Virginia last week. I still think we have an advantage on that side, and again, I hope I'm. I hope that last week's Wake Forest uh, defensive effort is uh, is just a one-time blip, and that we can uh, we can kind of take that and and hopefully channel that into something different. I don't want us to change our whole scheme, but I do hope that we are able to, you know, take this take take last week's embarrassment and channel it into something different, something interesting. I know we saw last week. Um, it seems like Kingsley Jonathan's kind of out of the equation right now at defensive end. We're incorporating uh, someone like Ryan Guthrie at defensive end. I don't necessarily know if we see that again. I feel like we need as many linebackers as possible. So maybe maybe we look at like something like an adjusted 3-4. Um, or at least like where we look at three down linemen, but then the fourth is like a Ryan Guthrie, a guy who played defensive end for large uh, you know, portions of time last week. Yeah, I mean, you could see all, all manner of things. Have we done much of a three-down front this year? I, I don't remember a ton uh, of it. But. Not really. I feel like we've just been so short, although we have been pretty short in the defensive line. And, like, Coleman's not 100%. Again, like, Guthrie's a linebacker. He was brought in, though, for his, like, pass-rushing ability, his ability to get tackles for loss. So it's going to be tough to see how we're able to plug in a lot of our, like, newer additions on the defensive line and how we turn those guys into people into players who can get containment on on a very dynamic quarterback versus players who were just like you know sent out there i mean alton robinson is, is is a great pass rusher and i'm really excited for his future at su um but seeing him in, in a position to instead of being you know going after the passer aggressively but to try to keep him in pocket i don't necessarily know if our front is really ready to do that yeah it's gonna most likely be a shootout and and i think syracuse can win it it's gonna be very difficult but I was just looking um, after Syracuse, their, their, by far the worst defensive performance of the year. I'm looking at Bill C's numbers. Um, we had a 3% uh, percentile for our defense this past game, uh, which is our worst by a large margin. So uh, we had a NC 0% was... chance to win that game. Yep. <laughs> um, so our SMP, I don't know what it was last week, but our defensive S&P is down to 84th in the country. Uh, Louisville's is 98th. So this is, uh, it, it's, there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Um, and, you know, we did, we have seen Zach Mahoney both, you know, store uh, in the 60s before if he has to play. And Dungey, obviously, I think we're all still pretty high on if he's healthy. So um, I, I think there's a, there's a shot here, uh, but it's going to probably be um, just laying enough points on where Lamar Jackson can't make them all up at once. Yeah, I, I do think that we just need to avoid something completely like last year's type of game because if it is like last year's type of game, we're going to lose again. Um, it ne- there needs to be some sort of some sort of adjustment for us in the second half this week. I I, I hope, to be honest, if we could turn back into a second-half team. Uh, that would probably require a little bit more of an average performance in the first half, though. Um, it was just jarring, I think, for a lot of fans, too, self-included, to see us completely fall apart in the second half after an entire season full of strong starts. Yeah. I mean, that's if we could force some turnovers, too. Like, it's just been... We just haven't done any Zero of Zero on the defensive end since the LSU game. Yeah, that's why I, I couldn't remember the last one. And it just hasn't been a thing we've done all year. It's actually kind of remarkable that our defense has held up as well as it has, considering they've they've done so little of, like, they haven't really made a lot of big plays. Yeah, they don't make big plays, and that's why the defensive uh, S&P numbers get hit so badly, because there's no really explosiveness, there's no big stops. Uh, what we're seeing is just a consistent ability to stop people on third down. Last week in LSU excluded. Um, the fact that Dungy is probably our leader, or tied for the lead in takeaways um, should tell you a lot about our ability to, to do that to other teams. Um, and we really lucked into that uh, turnover um, on the punt return last week. Otherwise, uh, we'd, yeah, we'd go another week without uh, any sort of like special teams or defensive takeaway. Yeah, and even the, the like, past deflections, like we're just not making plays with the ball in the secondary very much. We've, done, we've had improvement in just the actual coverage, but um, hopefully the next step in this development of our defense, uh, which I, I think is probably, even considering this week, assuming that that was a blip, um, ahead of where we thought it would be, um, making t- getting takeaways, especially for the team, the way this team is constructed, like that's a thing that you hope that this defense does. Like you want to get the ball back to the offense. So um, it's done a nice job with this, you know, kind of in a makeshift manner where they the third down stuff is great. Obviously, last game was was not so much, but 
Um, is he going to add in like a couple interceptions and, and some forced fumbles here and there? Um, it's going to make a lot of difference because you just, especially because we don't always make the most of our red zone trips, uh, just getting more of them and getting more opportunities for points uh, is, is important while we still improve on that end on the offense as well. So these are all things that, you know, need to be built on. But overall, like I'm not I'm far from ready to like throw the defense out with the uh, with the bathwater here. Same here. Uh, Dan, on that cue, why don't we talk a little uh, beer, a little halftime action? All right. I didn't have too many new things this week, but a couple, um, well, only one new thing, but a couple uh, ones that I don't usually have. Um, I went over to Beer Authority, which is the new alumni, official alumni bar uh, in New York City for Syracuse. Obviously, East End Bar and Grill is still a favorite for a lot, and that's a great Syracuse bar as well. So I uh, should check them out. But Beer Authority is like the new official place in Midtown West. Um, they have a really nice beer menu, and they have a, uh, a better beer specialist uh, than what we've had in the past for games. Um, you can get, like, a fat tire for 5 bucks, which is pretty good for the city. So I had one of those. I also had a uh, Sophie from Deuce Island, which is always, uh, always a, a treat. And then they have, like, a lot of the really high-end Deuce Island stuff there. Um, and then uh, elsewhere I had uh, from Distill Brewery in Illinois, I believe, which I don't think I'd had anything from before. Uh, randomly, randomly stumbled upon this. I had uh, the Cinco Fatic from their Wild Sour series, uh, which was a really, really nice uh, drinkable uh, sour. So enjoyed all those. Very nice. Um, for me, I kept it kind of easy after a very busy weekend last weekend. Um, had uh, Stone's Vengeful Spirit IPA, which uh, I grabbed a six-pack of. I uh, haven't like gone out actively to grab like, a Stone IPA in a while, and it was pretty good i don't know if you've seen it around there it's uh it's kind of like a perfect hybrid of like an east coast and a west coast ipa i don't think i've seen it but there's plenty of stone around so i probably just haven't looked for it yeah it's pretty tropical it's pretty interesting um i definitely enjoyed uh giving it a shot um also had a uh pale to the king from arrow lodge they're uh, from right around here and uh that was really it i uh like i said i kind of kept it uh kept it pretty light uh, this past weekend, and I probably will again this weekend, in preparation for uh, for heading to North Carolina for a little uh, beer, turkey, and uh, and all kinds of other uh, calories. Yeah, being at work for almost all these Syracuse football games has really uh, diminished the amount of Syracuse football-related drinking I've had to do. You know, gift and a curse. Yeah, I mean, I do so much writing and tweeting during the game, and plus they're earlier here that I try not to uh, imbibe. I think most of my uh, my beverage consumption is either Friday night or. Uh, or, or much later after the game, once uh, once all the recap nonsense is done. Yep, uh, back at it this weekend. Uh, basketball, luckily, uh, there are a couple more. There's a little more variance, so can do a little bit more with that since they're not all like Saturday afternoons. Too true. Um, and speaking of basketball, as we mentioned at the top of the show, two and zero. Syracuse looked a little shaky in the first half against Iona, uh, up thirty two twenty eight at the half. They. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball super well. Um, by the end of the game, they did. They had 48% from the field. Um, Three-point shootings, hot and cold. Free-throw shootings, hot and cold. The Guyona did a really interesting job doing a little matchup zone um, and some press, uh, which I would think, for the most part, that Syracuse would be able to understand and break down pretty quickly, since that's what they face in practice. Um, apparently not. Um, Iona did press for a while. Syracuse was still able to score a few more points in the second half. Uh, come away with a nine-point win. Uh, Ty's battle had 28 points in 35 minutes. Um, I'll confidently say he's headed to the NBA. Uh, he is he's delivered on all the hype this year already. Um, last year, you know, he started to show glimmers of it. I think this year he is he's fully uh, on board with being, you know, the guy in this offense. And he's shooting pretty well, too. I mean, he was 11 of 19 um, in this game against Iona. Two of seven from three, but... You know, I, I don't really care about that when you're going to score 28 points. He's um, able to be a presence on the boards. We probably need more assists out of this offense, but um, in general, obviously love Battle's play. Um, Dan, anything stick out to you from the first couple games? I mean, Battle's been great, and he's going to have to carry this team uh, as far as it'll go this year. He's the only reliable scoring option. Um, so he's at, you know, 23 points a game right now. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he was over 20 points for the year. He might need to be. Um, and he's going to get all the shots he wants. And, and like you said, he's been pretty efficient. He's, uh, what, 18 on 14 shots against Cornell, and then he had 28 on 19 shots against uh, Iona, which is awesome. Um, he's shooting over 50% from the field. 
Uh, I think the three pointers will will get you know he's only shooting you know hitting a third of those, but I think that'll improve because he showed that he can knock those down last year. Um, some of that's gonna be shot selection. Um, offense, I think, is just not gonna be. It's going to be tough all year. Uh, there's just really not a definitive second option. I think uh, O'Shea Brissett should improve, and he's you know are going to be one of the top three or four scorers in this team no matter what, just by inertia. Um, and I think he'll be really good going forward. Uh, but he's probably not what you want as a second option in uh, a major college basketball team as a freshman. I think in like a good Syracuse team, he'd be like that surprising like CJ Fair as a freshman, where he could get you know he get you 15 points off the bench. Uh, and instead, he's he's you know a main tag here. Um, if Frank Howard has, and I know he was like had some up and down moments uh, against Iona, but his his final numbers look pretty good: 15 points and 12 shots, not down two of his uh, four threes. Um, if he can continue to be an effective starter, that'd be nice. Um, overall, like, I think this is, it's just, I'm not going to get too worked up about this team all year. I just think that they have a pretty, um, limited ceiling for this season. Um, but we're getting so many young guys, uh, minutes that I think it will pay dividends down the stretch. I mean, you have what, four, four, uh, freshmen playing, you have Battle, who's only a sophomore, and he's probably gone after this year, like you said, but just enjoy, enjoy him while we have him. It's it's just a lot of new faces, and uh, I don't know how the season's going to end up. I, I, I will say that the early starts of the year for Pitt and Wake Forest make me feel a little better, uh, because those two teams look completely lost. They're abject trash, and uh, yeah. Wake, Wake is actually the surprising one. Like, Pitt, I knew, would be garbage, and, and they're, they're delivering yes. on that then some. Wake, and, you know, I decided to have a little fun at their expense today, just to make me feel better about the football game, but neither of them look good. Um, I haven't really gotten to, to pay any attention to BC, although it seems like they're doing better. Uh, Clemson's probably going to struggle a little bit. Uh, we're not going to be in the cellar of the ACC in any year. It's knock on wood, literally impossible for us to do that, but um, I'm willing to take some, some closer results like this one against Iona early um, to get these younger kids some minutes. I mean, we have, said the four guys that were in the rotation against Iona, if you count Howard Washington, that's five. Like, we have five freshmen that are getting significant minutes potentially um, this season. To me, like, I'd say adjust expectations accordingly, but hope that, like you said, the uh, putting them in now had, pays some big dividends later when everything kind of, uh, kind of gels. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Washington. It's, I know he didn't play against Iona, but, like, Geno Thorpe had a very short uh, – short rope and we can't just go out there playing two guards like that's just not going to work so uh someone is going to need to be the third uh, third guard and uh obviously washington wasn't great and it's cornell but um i mean it's either going to be him or gino and i think uh if neither one's effective they might as well go with the freshman who's going to be around for more than a year um so we'll see what that what that situation is going forward i'd say i'm you know pretty happy with what we've seen so far i think the defense has been really good obviously these aren't great opponents but Cornell shot 25% from the field. Iona shot like 37%. Uh, neither one has hit too many threes. We're getting the line, which is nice. We're doing a nice job on the on the boards, which just could actually end up being one of the better rebounding teams we've had in a while. Um, which is weird because, like, I think everybody was, like, super, like, kind of questioning our, um, you know, play in the paint and the inexperience and all that. And, and like, after two games, I'm already pretty sold on this group of, uh, of you know, centers slash uh, power forwards. Yeah, I mean, Chukwu, I think, obviously, offensively, he's just, like, that's not going to be his game, and he's still developing that, but he had 10 boards in Siona um, in 22 minutes. I'll take that every night by far, like, easily. I'll take 5 and 10 from him every game, um, and 3 blocks is, is great. I mean, he's, you know, get, you're, de- you're getting from him what you want. Um, Brissette's a nice two-way player. Moyer has been a very, very good rebounder so far. Um, Sadibi has been uh, not really a nice surprise. I expected you know some decent things from him and, and Dolazai, uh, considering his size. Um, it seems like this is a good rebounding group. Battle's a big guard. Howard's still a pretty big guard. So I think uh, overall, like we've struggled on the boards for years now. Um, I think if there's one thing that we'll do well this year, that might be it. And uh, you know we'll see what happens when we play you know some of the bigger teams in the ACC. But uh, we are every minute in Iona. Uh, 42 to 29. We yeah, we've got a Cornell 54 to 36. So look, these are big margins, and and they're very apparent when you watch the games as well. So um, that's nice because we, we're going to need some second chance points. Uh, this team is not going to be a great three point shooting team. Um, I think they should improve a little bit, um, but luckily they're not really jacking them like they have been the last couple of years. Uh, because that's just not going to be their game. Even though you, at this point you need to hit some. Um, so I, I think 
capitalizing on rebounds, especially if they can start to improve on the offensive rebound on the offensive glass, like that'll be an important thing for us. Yeah, I actually think that uh, that Marek might uh, might be our key on the offensive rebounding front. Uh, tied up with Chukwu for the most offensive rebounds of four. Uh, high energy dude. I know uh, Beheim talked about him quite a bit um, after the game. Kind of made a few comparisons to Hakeem Warwick from a like weight perspective, which whatever. Um, but in general, I felt like he was a high motor guy and the type of player that you know Beheim's going to ride with. Um, and again, like if we can get three to four solid contributors in the paint. That's probably two more than we thought we were getting this year. Um, I'm pretty satisfied with, with what he's given us so far. It's not like amazing numbers. And that's, you know, these like huge stat padding numbers or anything like that, but it's what he's done has far exceeded my expectations. And I think, you know, accounting for him as a regular part of the rotation now, like at least gives me, a better feeling looking at the rest of the season and the ACC schedule. Um, obviously, we don't really face like a tough team. We face two straight potential tournament teams the next two weeks in Texas, uh, next two games in Texas Southern and Oakland. But um, I'd say Oakland is going to be our first like big test of, and I know that sounds weird here, but Oakland's probably going to be our first big test in terms of um, what we can do against a, a tournament-ish like they wouldn't be an at-large team, but they're definitely one of the better conference champs that comes out of a one-bid league. Um, what can we do against a team like that who um, I think they have a little bit of size, they know how to score. Um, the, that, that'll that be a fun kind of barometer game to watch um, before we jump into like the meat of this non-conference schedule where we had Maryland, KU, and, uh, and Connecticut back-to-back-to-back. Yeah, I'm looking at Oakland now. I mean, they they've handled Fort Worth and uh, New Orleans pretty easily. They beat Fort Worth 85-71 and New Orleans 87-68. So, um, I think they'll probably contend to win the Horizon. They could easily be a tournament team if they. I mean, if they do that, they obviously will be. Um, and Oakland's always pretty. Uh, they're always a pretty salty uh, mid major. Like that. That's never a team that's like an easy. Uh, we've played them at least a few times in in recent years. Yeah, it's been a couple um, of times. I remember. I think one time, like while I was there. Yeah, I think I at least once or twice since I started at SU in 08. So um, it's definitely not like a gimme, and it's a nice test, and and you know something that'll hopefully look good in the RPI down the road if that's if that's a concern. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is their leading scorer. He's 30 points a game. Uh, I think he was at Illinois, right? Uh, that sounds right. He was. Yeah, he played three years at Illinois. Um, I think he got. Uh, I don't want to just throw this out there without it being right. Uh, we yeah, faced okay. him. He was, he, was, he was tipped off the team in Illinois. I didn't want to mm. just throw that out there. He had a domestic violence issue. Yeah. Uh, he was tipped off the team. He went to Oakland in June. Uh, so he was one of the better players on the Illini, I think, when he was there. Uh, um, At-large contending Illini team, if, uh, if memory serves. Yeah, like a, a decent mid-tier, mid-10 team. He averaged 15 points for them in 2015-16, which was the last time he played. Yeah. Um, I think he was minor in the leading store that year. If not, he was right up there. So he's averaging 30 points a game for Oakland right now. Uh, I don't expect that to, to, to continue, but he is a senior guard, uh, a Big Ten caliber senior guard. They have another kid, Martez Walker, who's averaging 22 points a game. I don't know his story. Um, another senior guard, six foot six. So, yeah, they have some size, especially in the backcourt. Um, he is averaging uh, 22 points. He's hitting 90% of his free throws, 50% of his threes, and set 67% from the field. So he is uh, – Oh, good. I don't – yeah, so that's uh, pretty pretty efficient, I'd say. Um, and also getting 5.5 boards a game. Uh, is he, is, did he just like, is he always been in Oakland? I can't say that he, I've he really scouted at, the Grizzlies too much. He started at, let's say he started at Texas, but he's been in Oakland for three years. So he's more or less a, a Grizzly. Um, so yeah, they have some good players. So that'll be uh, an interesting one before we get into like the real heart of the non-conference schedule with Maryland and Kansas and UConn, I guess. Yeah, so I looked. We've actually faced Oakland twice ever, um, 08 and 09. Okay, so yeah, we, we yeah, I remember both of those happened. I knew we played them more than once. Yeah, we uh, we blew them out both times actually, which uh, which probably isn't going to be the case this time. No, I think this will be a tight one. Uh, uh, I actually don't think we're going to blow out anybody this year. Like, no, this is this team isn't good enough. Like the offense isn't good enough. I think the defense to do a really good job of keeping us in games. I just don't see this offense. Like we're just. If we score over 70 points in a game, I'll take it. If, if we get tacos, uh, I think that's a, an accomplishment for this team. Yeah. Highest battle versus Kendrick Nunn. Let's let's turn the hype up for that one. Nice guard battle. So who can score 30 points first? Please, please be Tyus. 
please be Tyus. Game uh, close. I mean, we're going to see a lot of points in Tyus' battle. I think one of my... Well, I mean, I, obviously, if this team makes a tournament, again, like, I will be thrilled if this team makes a tournament, even if it's a one-done situation. Um, I really want to see Tyus' battle just cooked this whole year. I would love to see him make all ACC, um, at least, like, second team. I just want to see him put up, like, have, like, a routine Christmas type. If we're going to be bad... Let's at least, like, let our one star just do whatever he wants to do next season. Because at least then we have, like, something to root for tangentially. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. Like, it's... it's The Rakeem Christmas season could have potentially been a tournament season. I think, obviously, with all the NCAA stuff, uh, all that kind of fell apart pretty quickly. And then once that happened, like, you had, you know... The team really wasn't that thrilled about being on the court anymore. Um I don't blame them for that, but it was nice of Rakim to really put in like a really nice exclamation point to his career. It's one that got him, you know, a shot at the NBA. Um, looks like that's kind of gone sideways for now for him, but it doesn't mean that he can't, um, you know, come back and potentially uh, potentially make that dream happen. I know it's uh, it gets tough once you're in your kind of mid twenties uh, to late twenties and you haven't made it yet. But you know, Arinze came out a few years before him and. And still managed to, you know, make an opening day NBA roster last season um, at, like, what, 27, 28 years old. So uh, crazier things have happened. I, uh, I do wish Rakim the best. I feel like he's been one of my, uh, at least for me, one of my favorite uh, players at SU for the past probably decade or so. So nice to see, uh, you know, him get back into the league, hopefully. Yeah, it won't be quite the same thing with Peace Battles. only been here for, uh, this is his second year, obviously. Right. Christmas is a four-year player, and Christmas, like, was never a huge offensive star until that final year where he had like a, a crazy transformation into an all-conference player. Um, Battle, I think we all had the expectation that he could do this. I mean, he showed it last year at the end of the year, like you said. He was a five-star recruit, and he was like a huge pl- uh, player coming in. I mean, Christmas was as well, but for different, more for his potential. Uh, Battle was just a really established star already when he got to SU. Um but either way, I mean, he's one of our own. So I think uh, if, if Tyus wants to throw out here and try to average uh, 25 points a game, um, I am all here for it. Do it. Um, all right. A little bit more basketball, then we'll just make some Louisville picks. Um, one other thing I decided, I mentioned this earlier, uh, I decided to post uh, today. It was about Iona losing its fifth straight out of five tries uh, game to Syracuse, joining the uh, unceremonious five-timers club for, uh, for Syracuse basketball opponents. There, uh, there are nine teams in this club, and uh, again, Iona is the newest. Uh, five of them have lost five games, one of them have lost six games, and three teams, Albany, Lafayette, and Siena, have all lost eight games um, in eight tries to Syracuse. Uh, Siena notably lost to Lemoyne today, or yesterday, one of those two. Um, and that sucks for them, because that game actually counts, not a... Uh, it's not like us where, you know, once in a blue moon we lose to LeMoyne in the preseason. Uh, so unfortunate for the Saints. But, um, Dan, I don't know if you have any thoughts. about f- My favorite part of that fact is the fact that Wake Forest is still on that list uh, several years into the ACC. I'm surprised we haven't played Iona more. Of all the schools um, in New York. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't played Albany more. Um, I'm surprised Siena never picked us off when they had, the, they had some really good teams uh, in the mid-2000s. I feel like we um, avoided them. Those years. We might have, and that wouldn't have been the worst thing to do. Um, BYU, I'm kind of surprised we played BYU five times. Um, eh, I mean, there's yeah. a the, the the like Church of Latter Day Saints. Well, the Church of Latter Day Saints has like a enough of a tie with with upstate area, where like there is a natural fit that should probably be there a little bit more with all of our athletic programs. I guess we never played the Jimmer teams though. I no, don't think. we never played the Jimmer teams. We actually haven't played. Uh, this was probably smart in some ways. We haven't played Siena since 2007. Okay, so that was right around when they were making, like, didn't they beat Louisville one year in the tournament? I yeah. Think they were that we only beat them by eight in 2007. But, like, 2007, 08, no, yeah, 07-08 was in general just, like, a weird year. So I can't really, can't really fault them too much for only beating them by eight. Yeah, so BYU, we haven't scheduled, um, I'm assuming BYU was in December, so it had to be. So we haven't scheduled them since 68. We played them in the tournament in the famous uh, GMAC, like, 43-point explosion game uh, in 04. But that was the only time we've played them since 1968. Um, and then, again, like, I'm kind of surprised we haven't played, like, Albany a couple more times. Um, Kent State's a random one to have played five times. Yeah, like, we... It's weird with, like, the SUNY schools. I feel like we just don't... Other than Buffalo, we just haven't really put in much of an effort. Because, like, they're all more difficult to get to, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess, like, 
Eastern, like, like the capital region's not, like, right there. Um, There's only, like, a handful of them. I mean, like, even Bing, we didn't even start playing them until, like, a few years. Like, I think our first game against them was, like, 01, which is, like, really surprising to me. Yeah. They also have, like, weird scandal and some oh, other yeah. stuff. That's true. Yeah, Kent State... Kent, none of these games were, uh... There's not, one in 05, I just looked. Not one of these games was a, it was an NCAA tournament game. That's interesting, too. That it wouldn't have been an opening round game. But that's just a random, like, a random opponent to have played without, like, a connection. Um, and maybe there was one, I just don't remember it. Not that I'm aware of. But yeah, like, Northeastern makes a little more sense. Like, even Lafayette makes sense. Because most of those games were, I think, pre, like, 1950. Yeah, I mean, that those make more sense as those were, like, you know, private schools in the Northeast. Right. And there was, like, less of a breakdown between, like, divisions and conferences and whatnot. I mean, there weren't conferences. I think there were basketball conferences, but they weren't the same, like, as what they are now. So those make a little more sense. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the most fun part of this all to me is the fact that Wake Forest is 0-5. Um, and knock on wood, could be 0-7 at the end of this year. Looking looking pretty good right now. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's not like we've lit the world on fire, but Wake, Wake looks bad. I mean, they lost to Liberty and Georgia Southern, uh, noted powers in uh, whatever garbage conference they're in. I want to say Sunbelt and Atlantic Sun? I don't know what conference uh, Liberty's in. I know what conference Georgia Southern's in. The Liberty shouldn't be in a conference, so it's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah Liberty Liberty shouldn't be shouldn't exist actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they 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 are flames. They should probably be in flames. <laughs> Except for the fact that they're going to pay us like a million dollars to go down there and hopefully beat them in a couple uh, a couple years. So sure, whatever. They can they can exist for that day. Yeah, j- just for that day. I'm not thrilled about it, but uh, no. yeah, as I, we've uh, discussed, <laughs> at least we're done. At least we're paid. That's true. I uh, yeah. If, for those who didn't read the article, I, uh, I included some fake Danny Manning quotes. Um, he's very much looking forward to being the PR chair of the uh, Five Timers Club, uh, as, as ceremoniously awarded to the uh, the fourth place team in the uh, Five Timers Club. And if, if, if Wake Forest manages to lose three more in a, to us in a row, they uh, they will officially take the presidency of the the Owen Five uh, group here. It's uh, quite an accomplishment for the Deeks. Something to shoot for, and you can do it. I don't know. I, don't, I assume we won't play them twice next year, but no. you can at least tie it up, tie up Albany uh, in 20, uh, 2019. And knowing Jim Beheim, he, he knows about this club and he'll face the Danes. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> just to keep New York ahead. Just keep New York. Although, you know what, to be honest, I feel like Jim Beheim does know about this club and that's why he hasn't scheduled any of the, <laughs> the like, 0-8 or, or worse clubs in the last, like, decade. Jim Beheim probably is aware of what teams have not beat him. Like, that's just a thing that Jim Beheim would know. Yeah. He's very petty. I, yeah, I addressed this in the uh, in the article last week, where I was like, I have a, I feel like I have a kinship personally with Jim Beheim because of the fact, like, it's not that I'm petty or like have this like vendetta or grudge against people. It's that I just have a photographic memory, and therefore just like remember slights just more vividly. And I feel like Jim's the same way, where he just he just has this. He remembers everything, but he especially remembers those things, and I just I, I relate to him on that level. And of course, for for Wake Forest and 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 the rest, it, it's important to have goals. So, Wake, you're very close to achieving something special. So so close. Um, all right. Before we wrap up here, um, Dan, we talked a little bit about Syracuse Louisville. Um, we talked a little bit about our ability or lack thereof to stop Lamar Jackson. Um, do you think Syracuse can win this game? Um, and I'll caveat it with: Do you have different answers if Dungey can go versus if Mahoney goes again? Oh, it's tough. Uh, I mean, if we get, like, first half against Wake Mahoney slash offense, like, obviously that would be great. Um, I still think Dungy gives us the best chance to win, um, especially considering, like, Louisville's defense is very sloppy. Yeah. Um, and I could see Dungy having a huge, like, I could see Dungy being the guy who can take advantage of that with his legs and with his athleticism. Um, I kind of assume Mahoney will play based on the Steve Ishmael, like, mm-hmm. probably said too much. Uh, moment of the definitely week definitely said too much i thought about <laughs> writing about it and just felt like it'd be a real dick move yeah i mean part of that could be like players just give like quotes that they uh, like I'm, I'm not saying this is what happened i don't know i wasn't there um sometimes players will say something and it it'll come off like a different way than what they intended or they'll phrase things ways that aren't necessarily accurate or he's or he's playing like chess uh three-dimensional chess right now and is trying to Make it seem like Dungey's definitely not playing when he might. Obviously, Baber said that he hopes that Dungey can go and he's getting better uh, from whatever this this foot injury is or this lower body injury is. Mm. Um, 
I think it's an ankle, right? We know this. Uh, definitely an ankle. Somebody somebody randomly commented and then like you know ran away in the comments that it was like broken bone in his foot. Whatever. Um, I since we haven't really heard any sort of confirmation, I'm assuming it's the ankle based on the injuries we saw him suffer through in, in the Miami and the Florida State games, um, and what, what just kind of the the hits we saw him take there. Um, I do think for those who haven't seen, Steve Ishmael kind of like mentioned that you know they were hoping Eric, Eric was pulling for them and they were really hoping to get a bowl game for him. Um, that seemed to indicate that he's out for the rest of the regular season, uh, which you know it just cues up my usual question of why can't we have nice things because Eric Dungey has yet to finish a full season for us in three years despite a record-setting performance. I think this is for fun new reasons and not uh, to yeah, talk, yeah, I mean, not, not the old reasons. Uh, un, unspecified upper body injuries. <laughs> the new adventures of old injuries. It's, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's fortunate. I do, I do think that Mahoney can compete. I think Mahoney's like kind of destined to win one of these big games <laughs> considering he's been so close so many times and in such big opponents and obviously Louisville doesn't quite fit the same bill as like LSU or Clemson the one time or um, even, I mean, Wake is better than Louisville this year. Um, NC State those other two times. <laughs> NC State those two times. Like, Mahoney should get one of these wins. He's he's come so close. Let's make, um, that, let's make this one the win. I'm fine with that. Like, and, and again, like, obviously I want to see Dungy play, but I don't want to risk Dungy's health, especially because he's the quarterback of next year. Um, so, and I don't know the drop-off is that, that crazy where we can't go in there and win with Mahoney. I'm going to predict that Louisville will win. I think we'll be back to more of a normal uh, type deal. I think Syracuse will cover. Um, I'm going to go Louisville 30, let's go Louisville 38-34. All right. Yeah, I'm thinking Mahoney starts. Um, I'm thinking that we look that we look a lot more like we did in the first half on both ends than we did in the second half on both ends um, afterward. You know, and Wake Forest obviously came back by a lot and outscored us by 35 points in the second half, which makes you want to cry. Um, I think Lamar still does whatever the hell he wants. Give me 45 to 40? All right, so we have both have you know pretty close single-digit games. Yeah. Um, it's going stupid. Worth, as I said before, it's a single-digit spread. Uh, Bill C's numbers, I, I closed out the tab, but I looked. Um, he has it as a, like between an eight and nine point margin. So he likes Syracuse to cover. I mean, not him. His numbers like Syracuse to cover. He would yell at us if he was here. Um, and Syracuse continues. I think they're like six, three and one against the spread now. Uh, this uh, is Wake Forest. Six, two and one. We didn't get a spread six, for Central Connecticut. Right. Okay. Six, two and one against the spread this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a team that's done better than what it's Vegas expects most of the time this year. And I think 13 and a half points against a Louisville team that cannot defend and it's not particularly good, is way too many. So, um, yeah, I think this will be a close game. I think this will be a high-scoring game. Uh, and hopefully Syracuse can, can just make something happen, things happen and keep the ball dream alive. Yeah, please, please prove us wrong, Syracuse, because, you know, Anthony Brown's not playing anymore for BC, so that immediately opens that game up um, even more than it already was. So I would love, again, love... <laughs> To get a chance to play for six and six um, in week twelve, that would be uh, most appreciated by myself, Dan, and I'm pretty sure every other Syracuse fan. Yep, I, I I mostly just don't want to win four games and have to deal with like the onslaught of oh nothing's any better, even though if you watch like a second of the games, like it's obviously better. <laughs> it's my favorite. Well, so let's uh, just my, it's, that. My, it's my favorite weekly and uh, and off seasonly pastime. Oh yes. Anyway, uh, Dan, thank you as always for joining. Much appreciated. Yes, look forward to talking to you next week after a win. Let's see. Let's see. We'll, we'll, see have to, we'll have to see when we're talking next week. We'll, uh, we'll take that conversation offline, do the Thanksgiving holiday and all that. But, cool. um, yeah, it's definitely going to throw, throw, throw a couple of wrenches into things, but we'll, we'll figure something out. Um, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and uh, go Orange. Go Orange. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. 
I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.